it's early Friday morning. Now I'm not talking about 10 o'clock early morning. I'm talking about 3.30 a.m. You get up, you drowsily put your clothes on, walk down the stairs and start making breakfast. As you're sitting there at 4 a.m. drinking your coffee with a little bit of maple syrup in it and eating your breakfast, you think to yourself, well, I know that there's caffeine in coffee, but what exactly is the caffeine doing on a neurophysiological level to keep me awake at 4 a.m.? Well, you know what? Let's talk about that this morning on today's episode of The Science Behind That. Welcome to The Science Behind That with Atticus Hamilton. Hello, everybody, and welcome on back. Uh, For all of you new scientists out there, welcome. And for all of you old scientists out there, welcome on back. I'd like to invite all of you alike to go grab yourselves a nice warm cup of coffee and add a little bit of maple syrup to it. Not just because it's tradition to do so on this podcast, but also because Today, as you heard from the intro, we are talking about my favorite drink ever, coffee. And more specifically, we are talking about caffeine. Um, and, you know, this. I was thinking about this the other day. I got up at, uh, let's see, what was yesterday? Thursday. I got up at like 3.30 a.m. on Thursday. I don't know why, but I did. <laughs> I got up at 3.30 a.m. on Thursday, and uh, I made myself breakfast, and I was just sitting there staring at my wall, eating my breakfast at 4 in the morning and drinking my coffee, and it it occurred to me, I was like, you know what, Atticus, coffee may be an interesting episode to do for this podcast, so I think I I already knew the answer kind of, of of why it works and what's happening, but I was just curious, so I googled it, and there was a lot of weird... I ended up going down a rabbit hole, ladies and gentlemen. I, I went down a very weird rabbit hole, a coffee-related rabbit hole at like 4.30 in the morning yesterday, and that was very odd. Um, <laughs> but here we are today. Um, so before we can really break down how caffeine works, ironically, we have to talk about DNA first. Um, and this is just going to be a really brief thing about DNA. DNA, for those of you who don't know, is composed of four, four different chemicals, really, um, that are attached to what's called a sugar phosphate backbone. So the backbone of DNA, so I'm sure all of you have seen that double helix. The backbone is the, the walls of that double helix, if you will, um, and that backbone is made up of sugar and a phosphate. The sugar for DNA is called deoxyribose, um, and the uh, and it's bound to a phosphate, uh, which is basically just a phosphorus with a ton of oxygens around it. But then, if you've ever seen, if you're looking at a DNA helix, those like ladder rungs on it, those uh, uh, parallel lines across or horizontal lines across, Cross, those are the bases, and they're called nitrogenous bases. And in DNA, there are four of them: adenine, thymine, guanine, and cytosine. And uh, 
these bases are further divided into two, one of two categories. They're either called what's called a purine or a pyrimidine. I can never say that word. Uh, I can never pronounce that word, and uh, I'm sorry. For, for all of you biochemists out there, I know that I probably just caused half of my audience to just cringe. I, I know. I know I pronounced it wrong. Anyway, nonetheless... You have purines and pyrimidines. I can never say that word. Um, and adenine is a purine along with guanine. So you may be saying, well, Atticus, what does that mean? There's a long biochemical definition of it, but all it gets down to basically is purines are uh, molecules that are composed of two fused carbon-nitrogen rings and uh, pyrimidines are uh, molecules that have a base of one carbon-nitrogen ring. And so the pyrimidines are going to be your thymine, cytosine, and uracil, and your purines are going to be adenine, guanine, and uh, that's it. Uh, And you may be saying, what's uracil? Uracil is a replacement for thymine and RNA, but that's for a different episode. So, you may be saying, Atticus, that's cool, but I already took uh, intro to biology in, uh, in high school. Why are we talking about that? Because it gets down, it gets back to caffeine. So, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, caffeine is a purine. Um, and this is really important to understand because the structure of caffeine allows it to bind to certain receptors in the brain called adenosine 1 receptors. And uh, so let's talk about what that is. So adenosine is a purine that is basically adenine. Very, very similar, if not identical to adenine. We find adenosine in all sorts of places in biochemistry in the human body, um, one such place is in ATP, adenosine triphosphate, right? And then adenine in, in, in the DNA and uh, RNA. And um, interestingly enough, the brain also produces free adenine, um, and that adenine will bind to... Um, add uh, adenosine one and two receptors, right? Um, and what is the purpose of that? You may ask. Purpose of that is adenosine in the brain, when it's bound to its receptor, causes drowsiness and uh, tiredness, basically. And there's a whole um, biochemical mechanism by which this occurs. But basically, what happens in in the Spark Notes version is the adenosine binds to the adenosine receptor and that initiates a, a kinase cascade which causes a hyperpolarization i believe in the associated neurons which then results in eventually the release of melatonin and we and most of us I, I'm, I'm sure out there know what melatonin does which is basically induces sleep so thereby adenosine in the brain both directly and indirectly causes drowsiness and indirectly induces sleep so there's often a misconception um that i've heard from you know 
even my own friends of like, well, when you ask them, how does caffeine work? They're like, well, you know, it prevents melatonin from binding. No, it prevents adenine or adenosine from binding. So what happens is because of the structure of caffeine and for all of you chemistry people out there, the IUPAC name for caffeine is uh, 3,7-dihydro-1,3,7-trimethyl-1,H-purine-2,6-diene, um, also called 1,3,7-trimethyl-xanine or xanthane, um, or 1,3,7-trimethyl-2,6-dioxypurine, dioxopurine. Um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> There's three different names, four different names for you if you include caffeine. And so um, caffeine is just a very simple purine. It's composed of one um, large uh, six-atom ring, I guess, because it's not all carbons. There's a one, two, three, four carbons and two nitrogens. And then it's that's fused to a smaller pentaring, um, which is uh, three carbons and two nitrogens. And then there's going to be two ketones in there um, and uh, various methyl groups. Anyway, three methyl groups. Anyway, um, the ooh, the structure of that is very, very similar to adenosine itself. And we would expect that because it is a purine, right? And so what happens is caffeine will bind to the adenosine 1 receptor. And then something very interesting will happen. So this is called competitive inhibition, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But basically, when, once the caffeine binds to the adenosine 1 receptor, what happens is, is, as you would expect, it blocks adenosine from being able to bind to the uh, AD1 receptor. I'll just abbreviate it as that. Um, and... Oftentimes, when I told this to people in the past, they'd be like, but then wouldn't caffeine um, cause drowsiness, you know, if it's binding to the receptor? And it doesn't. Um, and from what I could tell, the reason it doesn't is because it does not initiate the hyperpolarization of the neurons to release, um, uh, or sorry, depolarization of the neurons to release inhibitory signals. Um, so ultimately then it doesn't cause the release of melatonin. It doesn't cause a kinase cascade. The signal is not transduced. And we see this with other drugs all the time. For example, various drugs like oxycodone, um, uh, not really Advil, uh, morphine, uh, heroin to a degree, all of these drugs that are analgesics, um, oh, propanolol, all these drugs that are analgesics do something very similar, just not with the same receptor, which is most of them will competitively bind to some region of the brain and inhibit something from happening, right? So when the caffeine binds to the AD1 receptor, it inhibits the hyperpolarization of the neurons, which is then called a depolarization. So basically, it causes a depolarization of any signals that induce uh, drowsiness. And so, to summarize then, 
when you're sitting there like I was at 4 a.m., don't ask me why. I don't know why I got up at 3.30 a.m., but when you're sitting there at 4 a.m. like I was drinking your coffee and you're feeling awake, what's happening is the caffeine in the coffee is being digested where it dissolves from your stomach into your bloodstream. It's carried from your bloodstream into your brain where it diffuses across the blood-brain barrier into the brain directly. Um, from there, it binds to adenosine 1 receptors or ADH1 or AD1 receptors. Um, and once it binds to those AD1 receptors, it basically prevents the um, signaling to accessory neurons uh, to secrete melatonin. So it stops that signaling. Melatonin is not produced. Drowsiness does not result. And as a, as a result, you feel more awake and uh, aroused and stimulated. Uh, and, and, you know, ready to, ready to accomplish whatever it is that you got up at 4 a.m. for. Um, and so that's basically how it works. And, you know, during my during my time down this weird internet rabbit hole, I saw a lot of people saying, oh, well, caffeine just tricks your brain into not being tired. It's a weird way to put it because I'm not really sure if it's tricking you into not being tired. I feel like a lot of people say that oftentimes to try and discourage caffeine consumption, which... Side note, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of medical evidence to show that caffeine consumption, particularly in the form of coffee, is good for you. Um, but it doesn't really trick your brain into um, feeling more awake. It, it just blocks the action of a neurotransmitter, right? Um, I guess it it tricks your brain into being awake to the same extent that a pain reliever tricks your brain into not feeling pain, right? It's not really tricking it. It's just preventing it from receiving those signals. So this was kind of a shorter episode, ladies and gentlemen, but I hope you enjoyed it. That's it. That's that's what caffeine does. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, you can always send me an email at thesciencebt at gmail.com. And until then... I was thinking about doing an episode on uh, how alcohol interacts with our brains. You guys let me know what you think about that. I, I, I kind of like that idea of an episode, but you guys let me know what you think about that. And I will see you guys on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. And remember, as always, stand up and question everything. <laughs>